Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Coop, thank you very much. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. Predictable and foreseeable. That's what house managers argue January 6th was. And they showed new footage of a near massacre, way worse than we knew. They showed clearly what should now be obvious. Trump baited anger with lies about the election for a long time. He brought people on January 6th by design to a rally premised on a lie that the election was stolen. Once there, he stirred up that same crowd with inflammatory talk about how to fight back at the Capitol. And then they did that and only that. That was the case today. Jurors were shown what you're watching now. New surveillance from the outside and inside as the mob broke through the windows and doors. And for the first time, we saw footage of Vice President Pence himself and his family being escorted out of the Senate chamber, being moved down the stairs to a safer spot. As he was being evacuated, rioters were heard looking for him to hang him. They erected a gallows outside. Listen to this. Now, why are they echoing that? We heard Trump throw Pence under the bus. We heard those looking for Pence say they were following up on Trump's orders. One even read Trump's tweet over a bullhorn. I want you to hear this again. Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our Constitution. You see the tweet, Mike Pence didn't have the courage, blah, 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 from Trump. You heard it being echoed at the point of the insurrection as they were looking for Mike Pence. How much more clear can a situation be? However, even more damning, once Trump knew what the insurrectionists were doing at the Capitol, he denied or ignored requests for help. While he knew Congress was being hunted. He did nothing to stop the attack for hours. In fact, the only thing Trump did, which shows his awareness of the situation, was when he heard about the insurrection and was aware, he decided to play it to advantage, making phone calls, asking for help to slow the certification process. So a more visceral take on the case presented today is this. Trump sent the mob to the Capitol, angry, looking for you. Then he left you in Congress, you Senate jurors, for dead. That is the case that was made today, and it was painfully obvious. You remember the maniac who broke into Pelosi's office and kicked his feet up on one of the desks, Richard Barnett? What we didn't know, he was carrying a stun gun tucked into his waistband and he was looking for Pelosi. What do you think he would have done to her? And is that what it would have taken for these senators to see this as more than a political opportunity? The mob could have also killed Mitt Romney, it turns out, who only narrowly escaped. Remember Officer Goodman, who single-handedly diverted the mob from the Senate chamber? He also likely saved Romney who was rushing the wrong way, and Goodman turned him away from the rioters. They were running for their lives, seen in this video released by impeachment managers today. Now, tonight we must do what's not being done in the media. The reporting is all about why they should convict, why they should convict, and that makes sense. But 
we should now reverse the action analysis, okay? What if these senators do choose to acquit? What will that mean? Well, first, it will mean that they are inviting more of this violence. They will necessarily be seen as validating that violence, even glorifying that violence if they vote to acquit. Why? Because Trump will take it as a victory. So will the Proud Boys and other extremists and racists and lie-fed mobs. If you acquit, after what you were shown today at trial on day two, it would be a giant middle finger to the men and women who saved you that day. We saw today more than ever how they were fighting for your and their lives. They were beaten, maimed. They died for you. And you will be saying with your vote that that doesn't matter enough for you to risk political clout with the people who attack them. One leading theory tonight that investigators are considering in the death of Capitol Police Officer Sicknick is that suspects sprayed an irritant, maybe bear spray, leading to a fatal reaction. In police audio that we haven't heard before, it was played at the trial today, officers are heard screaming. They are scared. They are overwhelmed. And they are dealing with even more than angry words and fists. Listen to this. 1033, We've lost the line, he says. I have more of this sound for you. I'm going to play it later in the show and we'll analyze it. But you have to know that even the people who believe in Trump enough to try to kill police and members of Congress for him, they say they went to the Capitol at his urging. Listen. I was following my president. I thought I was following what we were called to do. President Trump requested that we be in D.C. on the 6th. Now, we have more tonight from a member of one of the most dangerous extremist groups in the country. Why he says he acted that day. So, look, here's what's clear after today. There can be no good faith disagreement. The facts all point to Trump and his actions. There can only be bad faith, like this. Senator Ted Cruz tweeting during this trial about breast milk. He's worried about how the term isn't being accepted anymore. And he says it's Orwellian. Orwellian. Sir, you are at a trial that you're not even paying attention to, where you are saying that what happened didn't really happen. Because you don't want to have to deal with the reality. That, my brother, is Orwellian. Breast milk. Why is that on your mind? Focus, Ted. If you got off Trump's teat a little bit, maybe you wouldn't be thinking about breast milk so much. Do your damn job. If Trump had his way, maybe you, but certainly not all of you, would have made it out of there. Think about that. Trump waited for hours. Why? Let's bring in our better minds, Preet Bharara and Michael Smirkanish. Preet, what stood out to you today? Well, you know, you said it at the top of the show, I think in your first sentence, that you talked about foreseeability. So the video footage obviously stands out because some of it was new and it's harrowing and it just makes people, I think, shake once again because of what was averted narrowly, not just what happened, which was terrible. But, but the real crux of the matter is, not just that these people did these things and that lives were lost, but what was the president's responsibility for it? What was his role in it? And I think the most powerful uh, arguments and presentations made today connected up what Donald Trump said and did and how it was foreseeable that the things he said and did led to that violence. Among other things, the fact that uh, he has on prior occasions condoned violence. There was you know, a, a great presentation that mentioned that, that bus, the Biden-Harris bus, which was tried to be run off the road by supporters of Trump. And what did Trump do after that? And I'd forgotten about this. He tweeted a video about it, approving of it. 
that tells the people who were responsible for this thing that happened on January 6th that they had the president's support. A couple of other stunning things that, that directly involve the president and his participation in inciting the insurrection. We found out, and some of this was known before, but we found out that the president uh, made clear that he wanted the event to take place not on January 22nd or 23rd, but caused it to be moved, according to the presentation, to January 6th. Why? Because that's the day they were counting the votes. And what else did he do? Apparently, the White House was involved in making sure that the route was changed on January 6th so that people could march to the Capitol. So he had direct involvement in sort of the, the mechanics of what was happening that day, the timing of what was happening that day, and on occasion after occasion had reason to understand that his supporters felt emboldened by him and were violent in nature and tons of reports to that effect were being made to law enforcement, to the executive branch. So, you know, in combination, uh, I think they made a very powerful case today that the president bears responsibility for what happened on January 6th. What was impressive to me, Michael, was their recitation of what Trump did during the event and the inaction and him only making calls of political convenience. And when he did put out statements, how mild they were and really apologetic for asking the people to stop. And yet Lindsey Graham says that the legal theory of the Democrats is absurd. Your take. I agree with you. And I want you to think about something. If on the afternoon of January the 6th, after delivering that speech, that afternoon, if President Trump did not want rioting, did not want anarchy, how would we expect him to have behaved? Not the way in which he behaved. And I think you can judge his behavior as being satisfied, maybe even gleeful, with what was transpiring. So much of our attention up until now has been on the speech that he delivered on the 6th or on his conduct between November 3rd and January 6th. But what today really did for me was illuminate the point that you've made, which is how much we can glean from exactly the way he comported himself that day. There's one missing element that I wish we had. I wish we had eyewitness testimony, someone in the White House, someone in the Oval Office, someone who watched him watching flat screen TVs in the anteroom to share with us exactly what his tone and demeanor were. Yeah, strong point. Um, I get that witnesses are a plus minus, um, but I think that they are needed. Uh, and that's why we're doing them on the show, frankly. Tonight, we have one of the Proud Boys talking about why he went there. Uh, now, that's going you know, to be a little bit of fireworks because I don't know that I believe it about the Proud Boys as much as I do some of the other people that showed up that day. Now, Preet, we know that this is a political trial. OK, we know that we know the jurors are not impartial. We know that Mitch McConnell said it. But do you think today may have made a difference when it kind of it really dawned on me and maybe on them? He really left you guys to die in there that he knew they were hunting you and he did not stop it. Did that come through? Yeah, well, I think it did very much so. And this issue that we've been talking about, it, it's kind of interesting that makes it a peculiar kind of trial and creates a conflict of interest of sorts because a lot of these, in fact, arguably all of the senators who were also jurors were victims or potential victims of the mob violence. You would never have it in a real trial and you would expect that. And the, the reason you wouldn't have it in, in, a, in a normal trial is that might prejudice those jurors against the defendant. This is the defendant who's trying to do harm to them or cause harm to them, that's the allegation. And you'd want them off the jury because it might predispose them to voting guilt. <laughs> so in this case, this, this dynamic you're talking about uh, would be peculiar in a regular trial, might cause them to think, you know what, even this is, this is a political consideration, lives were at stake, my own life was at stake, it's permitted in this, in this case, and it depends on whether or not they find that to be more valuable as a principle, you know, their safety, uh, and the storming of the, the seat of our democracy in this country, or continued power and re-election, because look, look what's going to happen. Look what happened to Liz Cheney. Look what happened to some other people. If they dared to say the president did something wrong on that day, and to vote that way would be to be saying that, and maybe they won't uh, win their re-election. Maybe they'll get primaried. Mm. And it's basically a choice between remaining in power and doing something that I think would make America more powerful in the future as a democracy. Michael, give me a quick last point. 
So I agree with Preet's assessment. It's as if those who've been burglarized are now sitting in judgment of the, the burglar, but there's something else. Philip Bump has great reporting in the Washington Post tonight about how about one half of those Senate Republicans themselves were saying and doing things completely in sync with what the president is being held accountable for. So it raises further questions of bias on their part. How can they be fair in sitting in judgment of Trump when essentially they were doing a lot of the same? Exactly. You have witnesses, victims, and accomplices as the jury. I mean, it really is a bizarre state of events. And then you have Trump's lawyer who today concluded the session by saying, I already knew everything that we heard today. Really? then why would you even put up a defense if you knew all these things that point Trump to the action? Preet Bharara, Michael Smirkanish, thank you very Thanks, much. Chris. All right, so we have obscene, newly revealed images of the attempted coup. They add to our understanding of the horror of how much worse it could have been on this day of infamy, January 6. The congresswoman that you are going to see in one of these images, crouched down, hand over her chest, being uh, comforted during the attack by another member. She's here tonight. These are witnesses to something that happened that we can never let happen again. This trial goes to that reality. What happens here will be highly suggestive of what happens next. Then we have a Senate juror who's already calling for Trump's conviction. What does he think of the case? And what does he think of what it means if there is an acquittal? Next. When you hear the question, is January 6th really any different than what happened last summer? Here's your answer. Absolutely. 58 steps away, tell them. That's what impeachment manager Eric Swalwell noted in terms of how close a mob that was looking to hurt and kill members of Congress got to senators as they evacuated the Senate floor on that day of infamy. Now, over in the House chamber, not everyone could be cleared out at once. You've heard about this before. The lower floor had one set of options. The gallery up top didn't have the same set of options. Some remained trapped up there. They could hear the rioters outside. This is that room. Representatives, staff, journalists, all took cover under their chairs, helped each other put on their gas masks, and held hands as rioters gathered outside. Here in this slide, you see Representative Jason Crow comforting our colleague, Representative Susan Wilde. The rioters continued to surround the House chamber, flooding the halls and kicking on the doors as they passed them. Imagine being in that room. This was the scene outside the House lobby doors. Rioters calling up a mob that would eventually lead to smashed doors and the deadly shooting of rioter Ashley Babbitt when that group refused to stop trying to breach the entry. Inside, on the other side, in the gallery, Democratic Congresswoman Susan Wild. You saw her in that picture and she joins us now. Thank God it is good to see you safe and in a very different setting. I know you don't love to see that, but during this trial, you are a witness uh, and it matters. Take me inside the head and heart that was lying on that floor in that moment. Hold on. Congresswoman. Congresswoman, I think you have yourself muted. Sorry about that. Hi, it's okay. Chris. It sounded uh, great. No, I couldn't hear anything. Yeah, I'm sure. Tell me again. Um, I, I, don't, I don't remember ever actually lying on my back like that. I remember being in a crouched over position. And it was very um, disconcerting to see that picture because it brought back some things back. I'm pretty sure that, that that picture was taken just after I got off the phone with my children, my adult children, we had FaceTimed up in the gallery. And I remember after I hung up with them feeling an extraordinary sense of panic 
and feeling as though my heart was was um, beating outside my chest. And so I, th I think that's when that picture was taken. I remember Jason Crow reaching out and, and stroking my hand. And I remember thinking to myself, how does he know that I'm so upset? Um, and so seeing that picture really sort of brought back to me just how awful those, those moments were. And I have to say there were more than moments um, it, we, the estimates of how long we were actually up there in the gallery range anywhere from 25 minutes to 45 minutes. And um, I don't have any way of estimating how long it was, but it seemed like forever. More importantly, to me anyway, how are you doing now? How have you been doing since then? You know, about a month out or so, uh, very often traumatic experiences like that. And that's what that was. Doesn't matter what didn't happen. It's what you thought might happen that was realistic in that context. How are you doing? Well, it's been five weeks, exactly. Um, and I, I've dealt with it in the way that I deal with a lot of things in my life, and that is by throwing myself into other things. Um, I, many of us are doing a lot of different things in Congress right now, specifically related to COVID relief, and that's what I've mostly been focused on. And so I've found comfort in that work. But as the impeachment has uh, proceedings have grown closer, and we've started to get ready to see this on television. And of course, over the last two days, I've seen vivid footage that I have never seen before. I've seen snippets, just like your viewers have seen snippets. But I've never seen the um, incredibly graphic videos that we've seen. And it's been very distressing, I have to say. Um, it's triggering, I guess, is, is the right word. I think that is the right word. And, you know, you got to treat yourself like you fell down a flight of stairs. Uh, representative. You know what I mean? You got to be kind to yourself. And if you start to feel things, you got to get help just like you would if it were anything else. Um, you know, injuries on the inside are same as injuries on the outside. And I don't want to traumatize or re-traumatize, but I do want to traumatize the people who are sitting as jurors uh, because there's too much of a rush here to dismiss this, to move past it because they have different political inclinations and worries. Um, the tweet from your son, Clay, um, you know, it's just a situation I feel so much for your family, uh, just like when I whenever I hear about, a, you know, a family that is being exposed to something by extension of their loved ones or their parents. My mom uh, just called to say she loves us very much. She sounds strong. Shots have been fired inside the Capitol and lots of screaming in the background. Please, I'm begging to anyone responsible. Just help cool this chaos. What is the hardest part in understanding what you live through emotionally? The hardest part for me as a mother, and I think anybody listening to this who is a parent will understand, the hardest part for me, even if I, as I was there in the gallery listening to shots and breaking glass and pounding on the door, was weighing whether I should call my children and upset them or whether I should talk to them because it might be the last time that I did. Little did I know that they had full awareness of what was going on, so I'm glad that I did call them. Um, but it's very, very difficult as a parent to, th to ever think that you've caused your children any distress, even completely, you know, beyond your own control. So for me, it was the distress and still is, by the way, the distress that I know that my adult kids felt that day and have been feeling since. Um, I've talked with them about it somewhat. We don't talk about it all the time, but I know that it was very, very, very upsetting for them um, until the moment that they knew that I was safe. Whatever helps you feel better, whatever helps you process, do it. Um, trust me, I've been in those situations. Talk, say how you feel, listen to how they feel. But I will tell you this, watching you and your colleagues go back into that place when I don't even know how they had guarantees that it was safe. I don't even know how they had, were able to clear the building as fast as you guys got back in. And doing your duty and dealing with the torment of seeing the people on the right side of the aisle stand up and certify and refuse to certify on the basis of a lie, that was a brave moment. And yes, it was a profile in courage for those of you who went back in and did your job. Thank you for doing your job. I'm sorry it came at that price. And I wish you well. Thank you so much, Chris. God bless. Be good to yourself, Representative. All right, now let's turn to a juror and witness inside the Senate chamber, Democratic Senator Richard Blumenthal. 
So you're in there and you know, as you look around the room, that some of your brothers and a few of your sisters on the right are really not family to you anymore. They're not paying attention, Senator. They don't give a damn. They've made up their mind of what to do here. And it's all about expediency, even though they know you got lucky, all of you walking out there that day. What do you say? Chris, we were lucky beyond words. We were fortunate to be 58 feet from that mob instead of in their grip. And there were so many close calls, Senator Romney and Senator Schumer almost walking into the grip of the mob. And what I say to my Republican colleagues is let's revive the spirit of that moment when we were in a safe place after five hours and we resolved. We were unanimous in our enthusiasm in going back and continuing the vote. But my heart was in my throat as I watched many of these absolutely profoundly shaking videos of the Capitol Police defending us even as the president defied his oath of office and failed to come to their aid, failed to do anything to help his vice president. In fact, at the very moment when his vice president was fleeing for his life, then President Trump was calling a senator asking him to raise additional objections. I think the betrayal of his oath is so stark and stunning here. I just cannot understand how my Republican colleagues can look at themselves in the mirror, look at history, look at their constituents, look at their children, and vote for an acquittal here. You know, one of the reasons it's a little bit of kind of a re-exposure is that half the political aisle has been in denial about what happened in January 6th since it happened. They don't talk about it. They talked about the riots last summer every day because it played to advantage. They've been quiet about this. American flags used as battering rams. They've never seen anything like this, but they don't talk about it out of expediency. Now, today, we get new audio of what that officer Sickwick and the people around him and his detachment were dealing with. I want to play some to you just to get some context of what it is that killed this man. The crowd is using munitions against us. They have bear spray in the crowd. Bear spray in the crowd. Please look on. Hold on, I'm going to your scalp for something to spray. DSO, DSO, I need a reel. I need a reel up here. Please look at we lost the line. We lost the line. All I can do is pull back. All I can do is pull back up to the upper deck. All I can do is pull back to the upper deck. I'll stop. You know, the only times, Senator, that you and I have heard men with that kind of shake in their voice, and he's obviously moving, is war. Um, and... Officer Sickwick, that is not Officer uh, Sicknick. It's, it's uh, one of the others in his detachment. They believe it may have been investigators. Now their lead theory is that he was sprayed uh, with one of these repellents that they may have had. And uh, it later caused a reaction that uh, caused his death. And they're investigating it. But the panic, how do you juxtapose how you should feel about that man who was in that position to save you with what's happening with this rush to acquit? Chris, there is no justification in my view for acquittal here. The Republicans may rely on this bogus constitutional argument or a completely frivolous First Amendment claim. But as I listen to that officer in distress, my mind goes to Brian Sicknick, who went to work that day expecting to come home and I went to his memorial lying in state. He was a sweet, decent man who dedicated his life to this country. He served in the military and 
in the Capitol Police. We're a family here, Chris. You know, we go to work every day. We see the same Capitol Police. We get to know them. And there's a really human element here that uh, I think has to impact my colleagues. And, you know, another thing to keep in mind here is that that bloodlust was bipartisan. They were after Republicans, Democrats, the vice president, the Speaker of the House. That was domestic terrorism. It was not directed at one party or another. And so for my Republican colleagues to ignore their oath, even after Donald Trump ignored his oath, is really unconscionable and incomprehensible. And one last point. I view Donald Trump's failure to come to our defense to call out the National Guard or supplement those Capitol Police who were being battered. That policeman who was caught in the door, blood coming from his mouth and his headgear off, even as he called for help. And Donald Trump never lifted a finger and never denounced, not once, the violence of that day. He called them special people. We love you, he said. I think my Republican colleagues uh, have some thinking to do between now and the verdict here. And I hope they remember what they've seen these days rather than trying to put it out of mind. They can't look away. They can't wish it away. This domestic terrorism is bigger than all of us. And they have an obligation to do what's right for the country. Senator Richard Blumenthal, thank you very much for joining us. Good luck with the job going forward. Here's what we know. The people who were there trying to do terrible things and succeeding were taking their orders from Trump. That's what we hear over and over again. I get that calling witnesses is a tricky proposition. I personally think it's a mistake. I think that these senators on the right and left should be confronted with the humanity that they may or may not choose to ignore. When you look at these guys, even the ones from the worst groups with their own agendas, okay, like the Proud Boys, even they say, the one who was mentioned today at the trial, Dominic Pezzola, he appeared before a federal judge and he said why he went, what his motive was, and how he developed it. You need to hear it. Next. It's not just about what happened on January 6th. It could. It could be. But we both know that Donald Trump spent months mobilizing an army. House managers laid out that on that day of January 6th, the day he picked, he unleashed that mob. The target was the U.S. Capitol. You'll see more about this later in the trial, but you'll see in these photos, to the left, Dominic Pizzola, and to the right, William Pepe, two of the leaders of the group, heading to the Capitol on January 6th. They were later charged with working together to obstruct law enforcement. I have already discussed Proud Boys member Dominic Pizzola, who has since been charged with eight federal crimes for his conduct on January 6th. As you will recall, according to the FBI agent's affidavit submitted to the court, the group he attacked the Capitol with confirmed that, quote, anyone they got their hands on, they would have killed, including Nancy Pelosi. Dominic Pezzola is the man that you're going to see here in the gray jacket. He was the first one to break the Capitol window. The DOJ has argued in court, quote, there's no indication he's changed his mind about fomenting rebellion six since January 6th. What he did and the people he associates with disgust me. The Proud Boys. They are about hate. They are white nationalists. I don't even know what a guy with an Italian-American heritage is doing with a group like that. They don't like you. But why he did what he did matters in the trial of this former president. 
Jonathan Zucker represents Pizzola. Counselor, can you hear me? Hear you loud and clear. Uh, Just one step backwards. When Donald Trump said about the Proud Boys, stand back and stand by. Let me remind the audience of that moment. What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. Supremacist and white, like me to white supremacists and right proud, proud boys. boys. Stand back and stand by. Now, we all took that as way too weak, almost condoning them. Is it your understanding that so did the Proud Boys? My understanding is that they adopted that as part of their motto. Let me preface this by saying I have never discussed this with Mr. Pizzola nor anybody else who claims to be a proud boy. And so I don't know what their reactions were to that. Um, I know that Mr. Pizzola's contact with the proud boys is, is short lived, um, relatively recent. It proceeded probably in December. So I don't think he's had any connection with that statement. All right. I'd so be speculating on what I got. Okay. So we'll talk about who he is, what he's about in a second. But first. He went before a judge and said, let me tell you why I believed I was doing what I had to do that day. What is his rationale? Well, let me just correct you. What was said to the judge was not said by Mr. Pizzola. It was said in pleadings by me um, as his counsel on his behalf. And I don't think it's any secret what he and, and it's pretty much universal and it's it's rampant through the through the press releases and the tapes that have been played in the Senate today and all the press, all, all the tapes that have been played of the event. He, along with other people who participated in that event, believed they were acting as patriots. They were responding. He's former military. He's proud of his country. He considers himself a loyal American citizen. And the president of the United States said that the election was being stolen and it was time for citizens to stand up and take action and take control. And so he followed those instructions, believing he was acting as a patriot, which is consistent with pretty much what I've heard from everybody who was down there, either from them or from their counsel who represented them. It was, it's, it's not in dispute. And it was played out in the Senate today and in, in numerous press releases. Well, it's very much you in dispute. You can hear them. It's very much in dispute, right? I mean, you have the whole Senate flank of the Senate, uh, the Republican flank of the Senate saying they went on their own accord. This had nothing to do with Trump. But you're saying your client has communicated to you that the president's words and assertions motivated his actions that day? I can't get into privileged conversations, but I can say that that is consistent. But that is, it's not a disputed issue. That is, if you listen to the tapes of the activities on January 6th at the Capitol, you could hear over and over again, everybody there chanting that they were there on behalf of President Trump. But it's a little different Everybody with him. Says that. It's a little different with him. And let me let me uh, make this point. With Pizzola? Uh, yeah, be, because Pizzola is a part of a group uh, that is the worst of us. Uh, they are a white hate nationalist organization. They are not about democracy. He is not a patriot. They are not about patriotism. They are about racism. So he may be a veteran, uh, but he's clearly forgotten what his uh, duty is and what being a patriot is. And I'm surprised to hear that with them having their own agenda, that anything Trump was saying mattered to them at all. He didn't go to that Capitol as a patriot. He went there as a terrorist and he knows it. I would dispute that. I don't think he knows that. I don't think he considers himself that. I don't think anybody, um, at least that I've, I've encountered in connection with that, has that opinion. Similarly, I do not know and have never heard Pozzola express anything about white supremacy. I'm not speak, and he doesn't speak on behalf of all of the Proud Boys. That's what the Proud Boys are about. They're a white nationalist, neo-fascist organization. They were started as part of the alt-right. They were condemned by their founder for being too light, so they hardened up. I mean, it is weird that they got the Afro-Cuban guy as their leader, um, but they're about white nationalism. That's what they are. I don't know why an Italian-American guy would join, but they're just a bunch of haters. That's why I'm surprised to hear that they would be led by Trump. They have their own hateful agenda. Well, my contact with this case, I've, named, I've not seen anything that indicates that, at least in relation to Pozzola. I've never heard him express and never seen anything. He just attacked the Capitol. He's claimed to express it. He attacked the yes, Capitol. He yes. wanted to beat the he hell so. out of different cops and I, find members of Congress and hurt them or kill them. That's not informative. Well, 
I, I'm not sure that's 100% accurate. He certainly really? did it. Yeah, he did, certainly was part of the insurrection and, and he was present there. But I never what do you want to do there? Get, what do you want to do? Get autographs? Why was he going? He was going there at the behest of the president because he thought he was a patriot and protecting democracy. And to protecting do what? Our, what? To do what? He, because they believed that the election had been stolen. Yeah, so what was he going to do about Trump's it? entreaties. I think they wanted to stop the count. Yeah, how? I, I, I think by disrupting, well... I don't want to get into the, the yeah, intent. You don't want to get into it because you know exactly what they were going to do. Look, I, I everybody deserves a no, defense, I don't think Mr. Zucker. Accurate, Chris. I don't but think he didn't go there right. to talk to anybody. He broke a window. He could have walked through a door. He broke a window. They were violent and they were trying to hurt people, period. Uh, good luck at court. Well, everybody actually, deserves I've a defense. Not seen anything, excuse me. I, I would take issue with that because I've not seen anything indicating that Pozzola ever attempted to physically hurt anybody. There's an allegation he broke a window, and I'm not going to be. Um, there's certainly evidence that he that he did that, but I I never heard him express an intent to hurt anybody. I, never I hear, saw him but he's with a he's with a anybody. group of and, I, and he's more, a, with an organization say, that has been designated an extremist organization and that talks ugly talk about hurting all kinds of people, you know, including your interviewer tonight. But he deserves a defense. Well, His motive is relevant, and that's why I wanted you to come on the show. And I appreciate you taking that opportunity. Well, and, and I think the motive is, and, and certainly he feels. Um, as do most of the people who participated in this, he feels betrayed by the president. But their motive was they thought they were being loyal Americans. I hear you. It was misguided. It was, it was mistaken. But that's what their motive was, if you want to know what their motive was. I hear it, and I appreciate you telling the audience that. Jonathan Zucker, thank okay. you. We'll be right back. Take care. Look, just to be clear, all right, the Proud Boys are not patriots. I'm not here to have this guy uh, make his case. It's about what it means as motive for his ugly actions that day as a hateful, you know, nationalist, white nationalist organization. He went there because he felt that that's what Trump was telling him to do. And the idea that they didn't go there to do bad things in his name. Look, everybody deserves a defense. But to be clear, the guy said, quote, to kill anyone they got their hands on and they would have killed, including Nancy Pelosi. At his house, the FBI found a thumb drive filled with files detailing instructions for firearms, poisons, and or explosives. These are the kinds of guys that Trump told to stand by and stand back. They adapted it as a motto. They are bad people. They are hateful people. And I will not shy away in saying that. And they deserve no quarter. And they deserve absolutely no defense in the court of public opinion. They are the worst of us. And it's embarrassing that a guy with an Italian-American name would get caught up with a bunch of white bigots. But his motive matters for this case. But make no mistake about who these people are, because they are now in the conversation and they will do more of this online and off. We have never been in any kind of situation like this in our lifetime. And it's time to stop dancing around it. Let's bring in Carl Bernstein, because he lived it before. And people always draw the comparison, Carl. Nixon, this is like Nixon. You were there, you're here. What's the feel in contrast? This is unprecedented. This is a seditious president of the United States who has undermined the very basis of our democracy, who does not care about loss of life. It's the same president who is negligent in homicidal terms because of his handling of the COVID situation and not uh, handling that in a way that would save American lives. But let's, let's talk about one other thing, that this event that we witnessed today in these horrible videos is about the presence of evil. And the evil here is an evil president of the United States. Yes, it's an open and shut case in terms of the incitement, but there's a moral dimension to this. You know, I've covered the courts, you're a lawyer, and that in uh, cases of violence that juries take into consideration in their minds, the presence of evil. And that's really part of what the Republican party here seems to refuse to consider, that evil has come to be the agenda of a president, and they have gone along with it. So there's a moral dimension that we really ought to be considering in this, as well as the legal and the trial. Well, you got a dynamic here you didn't have with Nixon. 
Some of those senators. That's right. They're not all just witnesses, which you didn't have in Nixon. Um, There's many of them potential victims and some you could argue are accomplices. What does that mean? They're, to accessory, where we are? they're, they're, they're accessories after the fact as well. Uh, some before and during. Is, they were saying a lot of the same look, stuff that he was. Look, look, what what we know is that this Republican Party is in thrall to the evil of Donald Trump, including undermining the very basis of our democracy, the electoral system. They have aped his words for months about a rigged election. They allowed this terrible undermining of the process to go forward up to the point of the day on January 6th. Some of them were still talking about that we needed to see if there was some kind of rigged election here. Uh, This is unprecedented. A party, one of our political parties, has become hostage to an undemocratic, seditious president of the United States and the evil that he has wrought, including with COVID as well. It's all of a piece. And we need to look at it in terms of both the law, the facts, and the moral dimension. Carl Bernstein, appreciate you as a mentor and as a student of history who lived it then and you're living it now. Thank you, brother. Good to be with you. We'll be right back. Friends, we will be back at midnight Eastern with a special live late night edition of Primetime. But now it is time for the big show. CNN Tonight with its star, D. Lemon. You know what, Chris? Um, you know what we've been, all day everyone's been saying the big lie, right? It was the big lie. What The president had people believing that. And my, my Catholic school education taught me to go deeper and go deeper. And I kept saying, tell people what the big lie is. Tell people what the big lie is. The big lie was what? The election was stolen. It was rigged. Where was it rigged? Who stole the election? Who stole the election? I'm asking you. I don't know. Who stole the election? Who stole the election? The people in Michigan? The people who are in Wayne County? Uh, in Detroit, right? 80% of the population, black and Hispanic. The people who are in Wisconsin and Milwaukee County, where there is 27% yes. of the county population Everywhere is black, he 15% alleged of the fraud land. was a minority strong community. And the people who came to that capital today, and I kept saying to the television, somebody please say it. Those people who were enraged, those people who came there with the Camp Auschwitz t-shirts, who came there from the Proud Boys, who came there as Nazis and white supremacists, the what were they flags. saying? They were saying the president has been not even dog whistling to them, that this election was stolen From you, good people, white people, from the black folks in those counties, in Atlanta, in Philadelphia, in Detroit, that's who stole the election. Why do you think the type of person, that type of person showed up at the Capitol with Confederate flags? Because the president was telling them, your country, what do you say? You're not going to have a country again. What do you think that means? You're not going to have a country anymore. Yeah, what does that mean? means that the black man's going to take over. Okay. That's what this Led is all about. Led by Cory Booker. That's what this is all about. white and, neighborhood. And I find, I'm like, kept flipping through. I'm like, when is someone going to say this? Do you remember when he said that? Yeah, that Cory Booker, Booker is coming to your neighborhood. That's what this is all about. And that's why we continue to talk. We need to, to, to figure this out. That is the impetus. That is the start of this whole experiment that, here in America. And he is playing, he has been playing on people. I hear people on other channels and conservative media saying, this has nothing to do with race. Really? Ask the guy with the Camp Auschwitz t-shirt if it has nothing to do with race, racism or bigotry. Anytime you're playing with the flag. to white fright, white, white grievance, it, then it has to have a racial yeah. component. Um, and look, it's not a but secret why he doesn't have a huge black or minority following. But Chris, it's not just a racial component. That is the source of the anger. That is the big lie that he told people. Those are the places, this is a fact I'm speaking here, people. Those are the places that he told people that he contested the election. He contested the election in the counties that had large black and Hispanic populations. And he said it was a loss of democracy. His Trump's campaign challenge of election results in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Arizona pushed the U.S. toward a loss of democracy. He's saying 
that we are losing our democracy and you're letting people steal it from you. Who's stealing it from you? The places where he contested the election. And that's what? Black and brown people. That's not just a part of it. That's the whole thing in a nutshell. It that's why those people absolutely- were enraged. Uh, something, a button that he was pushing. But, you know, look, he plays to who the elites are. He plays to any layer of division. He's a demagogue. Yeah, you're right um, about that. And look, I mean, words matter. And I can't believe that they're going to forgive this. Um, the reason okay. that people are surprised by what they're seeing that happened on January 6th is because one half of your political spectrum won't talk about it. They ran away from the 6th as fast as their legs could carry them because they knew it was bad for them. And when they were told, don't play with the Proud Boys like this, don't play with good people on both sides, don't say he didn't say it. Say you don't agree with it. Say it's wrong because then they come. Now out of the shadows, out of the wet earth where they live, out of the internet, they came. And you get guys like this chooch Pizzola thinking he's a patriot, coming to attack the Capitol. These are bad guys. Stand yeah. back, stand by. They adopted it as a motto. Yeah. And I'm, now they're in the game. Nobody should be surprised. And no one should be surprised in saying, I can't believe that these people are going to vote against, uh, uh, against him uh, or they're going to vote uh, for him not to be impeached or for him not to be convicted. I can't believe they're going to acquit him. Of course you can believe it. Look what happened. Look what they condone. Look what it led to. Of course they're going to do it. That's what, they're, that's what they do. That's what that's why everyone gets mad at me when I say this. If you don't condemn it, then you're on the side of the people who are at that capital doing what they did. I love you. I got to run. I got I love you, D. Lemon. I love you, too, brother. I'll see you soon. Quality sleep is essential. And that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.